You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Coming to you from our studio in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm Jack Kennelly, and with me is my, my wife, Doreen. We are your hosts for the next two segments uh, to the end of the program. We're happy to have you with us, and we are going to be uh, talking with Monsignor Brian Donahue in our next segment. He's of the Diocese of Fargo, and we're, um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll let him introduce the, uh, the, the, the topic. Did Bedrine, you were going to say something? Oh. Um, I guess not. <laughs> I, I was going to offer another joke. Oh, I don't know oh if okay. Would... <laughs> okay, offer another a joke. Okay. We got him laughing already. We haven't even told one, so uh, we're on a roll now. Okay, Monsignor, you can try and answer this, okay? Because you're okay. a father, which means you're a dad, right? <laughs> and I'm Irish. And, and, I'm and you're Irish. Irish, and it's a dad joke. Okay, right. so <laughs> why did the crab never share... Oh, I think I've heard that one before. Why did the crab never share? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because he's shellfish. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I love your Why? sense of humor. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want, yeah. our, I want our listeners to know that uh, Monsignor Donahue and I go back a few years. We certainly do. We were in Boy Scouts together at St. Anthony of Padua, Troop, Proud Troop 211. 211. And yep. actually, uh, you were one of my guides. Uh, I was uh, 12 years old, and I had just turned 12, and you guys were going to go on that trip to Yellowstone. That's and right. And I, I had just joined the Boy Scouts, and I wasn't a tenderfoot yet. So everybody works to get me tying knots and things, and I got to go on the trip. But I, I still have pictures of it. I still remember you and you, you and a couple other guys were like uh, college chaperones or whatever. Yes. That was, that was pretty neat. Yes, well. Uh, it felt very safe with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we even have some, we, we actually have some old film footage of that trip as well, but uh, we can't wow. show that on the radio, I guess. Yeah, Cecilia okay. O'Keefe gave Jack a, yeah. an old black and white Her, her dad was our scoutmaster, and she brought over a blue binder with some photos and stuff, and uh, also uh a video, uh, yeah. an old film. Anyway, but that's not oh, what we're here. We're not here to walk down memory lane too much. But we're not. Okay. No, <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah. Well, that's a long lane. I don't think they would probably take us past. <laughs> <Way too long>. <laughs> <laughs> it, yep. it would take us past the, the the remaining time we have in the program today. So, uh, Monsignor, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, and, thank you. And you can introduce the topic as well. Hey, thank you, and God bless you to all the our listeners, and may the Lord bless you and bless your day with oh, His you. grace and presence. Thank you. Uh, I'm Monsignor Brian Donahue. I'm the pastor of, of St. Philip's Parish in Hankinson, North Dakota, and St. Anthony's Parish in Fairmont, North Dakota. In fact, I'm in the very southeast corner of the diocese. I think part of my parish, you can walk from Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota in about 15 minutes. Wow, <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, we're down there. I live in northern South Dakota. Don't tell my bishop that, but I know. <laughs> no, I don't. I, live in, I actually live in Hankinson. And it's interesting, I have a, a retired priest that lives with me, 
uh, Father Richard Gellin. He's actually from uh, Cogswell, not very far from here. And Father Gellin is going to be 85 years old. Uh, today is the in three days. And so he's living with it. He's uh, the priest of the Diocese of Fargo, but he had been with the Army since about 1968, 69, somewhere yes. in there. I think so. he, he might have student-taught in... Yes, he taught in Ingham, yeah, I had him when I was a junior in high school. He was as a he, student yeah. teacher in English. He was a student teacher at that time. I think he was a student teacher. Oh, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. he's a good teacher too. Yeah, he yes. has a lot of degrees, but he, yeah, he taught at Shammy. <laughs> and that's before he went to Vietnam. He, he was uh, started out in Vietnam as a cavalry chaplain. Oh. So you have Busy the military guy. chaplaincy in common too. That's what really we originally met in Germany in 1990. And we've been friends ever since, so okay. I invite him to come live with me. I'm so happy because I love having him here. Oh, and that's he's great. A great guy. So today we're talking about the baptism of the Lord. And by the Lord, I mean Jesus Christ, in case anyone's wondering. And um, and so, let's see, this Sunday, I'm just reading some of your notes here. Uh, why was Jesus should I just start right in? Sure. Point? Sure. <laughs> I'm Irish. you got to tell me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, you keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah you... <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, I saw one of you know, why was Jesus baptized? Well, why not? You know, one of the things we think of, sometimes when we talk about why was Jesus baptized and this baptized, we think of baptism as we think of baptism for ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. that ontological change, dying to self and rising with Christ and so on and so forth. But baptism can have a lot of different meanings. It's, it's not like, I drive a car. Well, what type of car do you drive? Is it electric, gas? Is it Jeep? Is it a Volkswagen? Uh, so with baptism, it can have a couple, it can actually have different meanings. Like in the, uh, I think in the Mormon Church, they do a type of baptism. I don't know what it means, but. Uh, so Jesus, why was Jesus baptized? Well, this Jordan River where uh, John the Baptist was at is not up uh, north. It's, further, it's, it's not far from the Dead Sea, and that's where it's flown into. And so you have on the west side of the Jordan, Jordan is the Promised Land, and the east side is the desert. And uh, and that's what John is doing. He's reminding people that they they came into out of slavery into freedom in, with God. And so his baptism is one of repentance. Basically, and, and the Jewish people were used to that type of thing, and uh, and every year they had a type of repentance ceremony of their sins and so on. But it didn't mean that there was a, a big, you know, ontological change in them or anything like that. So why did Jesus go into the waters to be baptized? A couple of reasons. One is he was hot, and no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, the two things. One is just by his presence in the Gospels, and that's where the sacraments sometimes too, like his presence at the wedding feast in Cana, and, and that's how marriage became a sacrament, by his presence. And so his entrance into the waters is, is he's, in a sense, making waters holy, making it, preparing it to be part of our redemption. But another very significant reason he's entering into the waters is he's entering into the suffering and pain of God's people. As, as one of us, in his human nature. He's walking, and that's a really great symbol when you think about it. Jesus is walking with us every moment of every day, and 
you know, good times or bad times. And he, uh, thanks. And he, uh, and that's one of the reasons he came to Earth. He came to, you know, take on our, our uh, yoke. And, and he came to suffer and feel our pain and redeem us from sin and death. And so it's amazing that God, through his Son, entered as completely as you can into humanity. One of us. With the exception of sin. Of course, where God is, sin does not exist. So he came to conquer sin and death. So he entered right into the ring with us. And that's, a, that's one of the beautiful things about uh, why did he get baptized and why is the baptism so important for Catholics? Jesus said so. <laughs> he said, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. How does that sound for an answer? Uh, and then at the end, he says, I command you to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to carry out everything I've commanded you. And so it's, it's, of all the sacraments, that's probably the one, one that's the most crystal clear. You can't get it any clearer when Jesus says, I command you to baptize Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And obviously with the water that he sanctified. And so, um, and it was without baptism, we, we, and nothing else in a sense counts as far as sacraments. Because in baptism, we actually... It's, it's a big word. It's called ontological change. Change of who we are in our whole being. We're recognized in heaven as a completely different person than we were before our baptism. It eliminates original sin. It's gone. And, you know, the effects of it still remain, uh, but the, the sin itself that brought sin and death into the world, we are saved from through our baptism. And... It, like I say, it affects every other sacrament. Are we at the two-minute mark? Get, we're getting there. Okay, just holler. When you, okay. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, just like the priest uh, a couple months ago, I think, was in Detroit. He'd been ordained a year, and he found out that he wasn't validly baptized. Right. And the Vatican said he had to have all his sacraments over again. By the way, anybody who got married by him, it's valid, Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Safe with Monsignor Actually, Donahue. <laughs> and anyone who got baptized to him is valid, because he intended to do what the Church wanted done. The only thing that's not valid is his baptism and his confirmation and his ordination as deacon and priest. So that all had to be redone. Wow. Monsignor, is it correct to say that um, before baptism were God's precious creation, after oh, baptism, absolutely. were his precious children? Yes. Yeah, well, that'd be a good analogy. I mean, we're still his children, and, and God didn't, you know, he, he's known us since before we were born, mm-hmm. from all eternity. But he, to enter into that, you know, before, before sin and death entered the world, we were created to be, you know, perfect, and uh, they call it a uh, prelapsarian before the fall and in a state of perfect justice and because of the fall like we say at the Easter vigil oh happy fall oh necessary sin of Adam that brought us our Redeemer well God's plan which was way ahead you know eternally ahead of Satan's thoughts uh, 
was this was all this is all part of the game, and he knew that we were going to be recreated anew, and now not in the state just just a perfect justice, but we're recreated now, and we are actual children of the King. We are uh, recognized in the kingdom of heaven in a whole new way, and um, so the whole thing of being beatific vision and everything. We have been completely changed through baptism. It doesn't mean that we weren't children of God in, in the sense of created by him. But now, you know, it's like in a city of a kingdom. You have everybody's part of the king and kingdom, but you have some that are members of the family, of the royal household, and that's yes. what baptism does. Okay. Oh, that's a beautiful analogy. I'm going to interrupt yeah. now because that okay. break, the break time has coming up, Monsignor, and so since you okay. asked... <laughs> Here it is. So uh, well, uh, for, for our listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live. We're talking to Monsignor Brian Donahue about baptism. And uh, uh, your hosts are myself, Jack Canelli, and my wife, Doreen. And we will be right back after this break. So stay with us for more to come. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. God's blessings to all of you today as you are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. What a wonderful gift and a grace that we have in our Holy Church is that we have a Holy Mother, Jesus' Mother, who loves us so very much, and she prays for us. Isn't it wonderful to have a mother on our side, a mother who prays for us, a mother who loves us as Christ as our brother, then that means that Mary is truly our mother, our spiritual mother. And so as you pray that beautiful gift of the Hail Mary, let each of these prayers be as roses that is presented before her holy feet, and she brings our prayers and lays them before her Son, Jesus, and all of us. Always listen to our mother. Listen to what our mother is asking you. Come to the Savior. Come to my Son. Come to Jesus Christ. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. 
with Jack and Doreen Keneally as your hosts. And our guest for this segment is Monsignor Brian Donahue from the Diocese of Fargo. He's located at the uh, the uh, the cities of Hankinson and Fairmont. And we're, we're talking about baptism. And so um, let's get back to it. Uh, did, Doreen, did you have a question for Father coming in? or? Uh, uh, not I guess not. not <laughs> I'm giving him the deer in the headlights. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. You were talking about form and matter. In baptism. Yes. Yeah, and then form and matter, we're getting into that. Oh. Uh, so, like you say, for all the sacraments, baptism is the, is the most important because that's when we become children of God. And then, following on that, is I always call it the food for the journey mm. to the kingdom is reconciliation and Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, we talked about, you asked the question about form and matter when it comes to sacraments. Well, if you don't have the proper form, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we're doing, we do the jokes here. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's a Monsignor joke. <laughs> Not a dad joke. Yeah, sorry, they just come out as they go along. Yeah. Now, you know, form and matter, uh, you get into some uh, philosophical uh, discussion here in the theology, of course. The Church is very big on using the proper form and uh, proper matter. Matter, if you think of matter as the physical element of the sacrament, you know, like in baptism, it's water. Water. And the form is the one given to us by Jesus. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the whole thing about, as far as form and matter when it comes to baptism, is our intent is to do what the Church intends. Not what I intend, not what you intend, not what anybody intends. To do what the Church intends. If the Church is a, is a deposit of the faith and of the sacraments and so on, and the Church is the one that uh, lays out the rules, I guess you put it that way. And so it's very important that we follow the form. And so, and uh, plus, Jesus talked about it. And then, for example, in the Eucharist, it's very important to follow the form and the matter, obviously, of, you know, not only the Last Supper where Jesus took bread and so on, this is my body, this is my blood. And then you have St. Paul talking about tradition, and he says, I hand on to you what I myself received, namely, on the night before he died, the Lord Jesus took bread, and so on and so forth. And, uh, so it's very clear. And so when the—I didn't know this until I got into college, you know, when does consecration really take place? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the whole liturgy is part of the—it's is, is united. It's, it's hard to—you know, we divide it up, but not—it's meant just for understanding things. But the liturgy is the liturgy from the beginning to the end. But when the priest picks up the elements— bread and wine, and the bread is unleavened bread, because um, that's what they use, that's what Jesus used, that's what they used in the early church and have ever since. And one one little thing, you say, why is it why is it uh, unleavened bread? And uh, this is not a theological thing necessarily, but you say, because it's not risen yet. Mm-hmm. And... You know, at the consecration, now it's risen. Oh, that's like your that. second joke. Okay, <laughs> that's my second. You're on a roll. <laughs> that I don't know if that one qualifies as a joke. I got another joke later. But, okay. <laughs> so, 
So when the priest actually lifts up the elements and says, this is my body, he, the priest is that vessel acting in persona Christi through the power of the sacrament of the priesthood that he has received, or the bishop, or the, the pope, or cardinal, whatever, all have that power. And power is not in the sense of control over God, but the power for God to use us in a way that he has established for the Holy Spirit to work to change those elements into the glorified Christ and body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so when the priest then picks up the chalice and says, this is my blood, it happens. And I can tell you as a priest, it's a very humbling experience to feel like here I am a vessel. God has chosen me to be this vessel, sinful as I am, to consecrate these elements that the moment before, I'm just placing them here and there. And once I say those words, Whenever I'm in front of these elements now, I will genuflect to them, worshiping my Lord and God. It's amazing. But, uh, and and that's what, uh, where are we at? So, form and matter. So, the form are the words. The matter is the elements itself. So, like in uh, anointing of the sick, the form, uh, through this holy anointing, that's the form. And the matter is the oil itself and the laying on of hands. And then St. Paul makes reference to the form and matter again. When he's writing to Timothy, he says, Remember, Timothy, when I laid hands on you and prayed the prayer of ordination, the words of ordination. And so, so for example, when you're being ordained a priest, and the bishop has a long prayer, and if he's Irish, it goes on forever. <laughs> but not. <laughs> no, then at some point, like Bishop Grisby used to fold his hands, and then he used to stretch out his hands, and he'd say, Pour out on the, this servant of yours, this spirit of the priesthood. That's such a, I tell you, as a priest, those are powerful, powerful words. You can feel it when he does it. Um, does that answer about form and matter? Yeah, I think... Except in the sacrament of confession, or reconciliation. Oh, form reconciliation and matter. is the laying on of hands and the prayer of forgiveness. You don't necessarily have to lay hands on, you know, especially with COVID, you wonder about it, okay. Okay. You can hold up your hand, you know, it, it, especially somebody's between a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the form and matter would be, one, the, the uh, matter is, is the sins I'm confessing. Oh, okay. You know, I, I have to have something. And people all, you know, I say uh, you have to have some type of perfect, uh, perfect remorse or sorrow. Uh, it can be imperfect, and the priest is always to presume goodwill. When the mm. person walks into the confessional, you presume goodwill. Obviously, why are they walking in? Because they're sorry for their sins, obviously. If not, why are they coming in? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the matter is what I'm laying out there to the priest. That, that's uh, my sins. In the form as... Uh, uh, the words of absolution. The, the church, I absolve you from your sins, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so... Um, and lastly, yes. Why does the is that enough on that? Well, I was, I was that gonna, up? I was gonna tell a, a, a story. Well, not a story, but just an, an example of how important form is. Because I know there was a number of years ago, there was kind of a fad with priests who were baptizing in the name oh, of yeah. the Creator, the Savior, and the Sanctifier, and it was kind yeah. of a faddish thing at the time. And uh, my understanding is. 
It was not a valid baptism, and those not. those people had not. to be rebaptized. Were they not? That's that's why that priest in Detroit had to be re, had he he not only he didn't he didn't have to be rebaptized. He had to be baptized because he was never baptized. And uh, so yeah, it's, it's okay. Quick joke: the yeah. cardinal in Ireland he comes back home after years into the small town where he was born, and they're celebrating, and the midwife comes up to him and she says. Oh, Your Eminence, I remember the night you were born. I baptized you myself in the name of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. (laughs) 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 No, you didn't. (laughs) So, uh, but the the last thing you have on here is infant baptism. Why Mm -hmm. does the Catholic Church practice infant baptism? Because it's done it since the beginning, first of all. Jesus wasn't baptized until he was an adult. Well, remember, Jesus wasn't baptized by John. He was baptized, but not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You could say, if, he had, if Jesus were ever baptized, when he came out of the water, and the Father, uh, tear, the heaven tears open in reference to the, the, the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, I reference to Noah and the ark, and God infuses him, this is my beloved son. You could say that's, in a sense, his baptism for his mission, probably more his confirmation for his mission. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he, he he was baptized by John, but, uh, you know, he's also the Son of God, so. <laughs> <laughs> so there. there but go. why infant baptism? Because if you look in the Gospel of Mark, and in the early church, I think there was whole households were being baptized, and I think from what I understand reading on this is that the question came up early on, what about infants? And so Mark addresses it in his Gospel, chapter, uh, I think it's chapter 10, I'm uh, just looking here. Yeah, chapter 10 of the Gospel of Mark, 13 to 15, he says, And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not prevent them. Another translation says, Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to just such as these. And uh, from I understand, the word used that Mark used at the time, do not prevent or do not hinder them, was actually a liturgical word that made reference to baptism. Oh. So Mark basically takes it and puts it in the mouth of Jesus to solve the issue of the early community. Do we or do we not baptize the babies? And Mark clearly puts in his gospel, yes. And so we've done it ever since. Monsignor, is there any connection to um, our ancestors in faith, you know, the, the Jewish people um, um, circumcising their baby boys at eight days, and they, then that's when they enter into that covenant with God. I mean, they're infants. Is, that, is there any mm-hmm. correlation between that and our baptism? Yeah, you could say that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's a entering into covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be probably, a, you know, a, a precursor of, of baptism. Um, on the eighth day uh, that they're circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. And so you could say, yeah, it's a, it's symbolically it's a precursor to baptism. Yeah. Okay. okay. And well, I understand that the blood co- coagulates the best at eight days after birth. Really? Mm. God is so smart. Isn't he smart? He's so smart. He's been you well, think he'd been sitting around for all eternity thinking of this stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll save this discussion for the next time we have you on the air all because right. the break is coming up. But before we do that, could you give us a quick blessing, Monsignor? Absolutely. 
Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. earth. Father, we ask you to send your blessing upon all of your children this day and throughout our whole country and through the intercessory prayers of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we come before you in the name of Jesus, your Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Monsignor. That was Paul. Oh, you're most welcome. Monsignor Take Donahue care. from the Diocese of Fargo. Thank you very much. And stay tuned because up next, he's a Catholic convert and a priest. Stay tuned to hear his story next on Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.